And we are rolling. Hey, what's up, everybody? What's going on? It's another movie talk edition of Distorted Minds podcast. Coming at you. <laughs> Sorry about the uh, wait. I've, uh, I'm a scumbag. It's my fault. <laughs> I know. I, we skipped. Uh, we didn't do anything last week for the pod. Are your headphones fucking up? Sorry. No, I'm, I'm straight, homie. Okay, okay. So, yeah. Today we're here to talk about the Meyerwitz stories and... Uh, seven Psychopaths. Yeah, Seven Psychopaths. Interesting movies. Um, and, uh, you know... Before that, we'll do a little snapshot, like always, and we'll kick into the tunes. say we talk some movies yeah let's talk some <laughs> movies um did you watch anything else oh real quick um someone commented on our florida project one that one that we did and they said that they're gonna watch the movies so what like we convinced cool. somebody to watch both of those movies hell so. yeah that's awesome i know man. that yeah. feel, feels good <laughs> i know man i uh i definitely um i i want to start really making time so like we can at least do it every other week like yeah I like I kind of I miss doing it, man. I was just like, "Fuck, I'm so busy." But uh, I'll uh, I'll jump. I only really watched like three other movies that are worth mentioning. Um, you want to so take turns? Sure. Uh, so the first one I watched was Uncut Gems. Okay. So I actually I finally uh, bit the bullet um, and watched it. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I I didn't really like the movie very much. Really? I mean, I thought it was a interesting story, like. Oh, and I think, like, the way it played with tension was um, noteworthy. Like, it's such a tense movie. Like, it's like you never feel like you get a break. Like, you like, yeah. feel like you're always, like, almost out of breath watching the movie. Um, it's very... But uh, I just felt like Adam Sandler's character in that movie was just such an irredeemable piece of shit, man. Yeah. He's just so unlikable. And, I mean, I, I, I kind of understood that was kind of the point of his character. But right. He just like never he never has like a moment where he has that epiphany where like all the bad shit in his life is his fault, you know what I mean? It's he just like keeps he keeps like this he never has that oh shit, okay. He doesn't ever has that redemption moment. He just right. it just the movie just kind of plays out until its conclusion. And he's kind of like even though all right, spoiler, spoiler alert if you haven't watched this movie. Spoiler alert. So even though he gets killed, he's still kind of, like, rewarded for his bullshit because, I mean, he fucking, he makes all that fucking money, like, doing this thing that it has him in this terrible situation throughout the entire yeah. course of the movie. I mean, the only, like, I think the only good characters in the movie were, like, his girlfriend who, like, actually has his best interests at heart, even though she, like... See, I've seen it once, and I don't quite remember exactly what all happens, but... Uh, 
but yeah, it's I was been like, a while. I, I kind of like, I felt almost like uh, people hyped it up too, a little too much for me, and I like, wait, I like kind of, was I had higher expectations because of the hype, so it was a little, um, I just, I just didn't enjoy it as much as like, people were like saying what, I, I mean, he he's great, it's a great performance from him, but I just like, couldn't, I couldn't gel with the character, man, I just like. It's like I did when he gets when he gets killed at the end. I was like, I don't even feel bad. I was just like, yeah, it's kind of. This is kind of where the only conclusion that could have happened, like, and is like that, all the stuff he was doing. Is that still on Netflix? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Oh no, no, it's not. I, they actually finally pulled it. Um, I had to rent it off of uh, Amazon Prime. Uh huh. All right. That was one you were gonna pick too, huh? Yeah, but and I, just, I finally broke down and watched it. Watch yeah, it. and uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't uh, pick it because I like. I don't feel like it would have been good to pick it apart because I feel like I just would have shit on the movie. <laughs> like. Sure, sure. <laughs> Sandler, man. Uh, let's see. I watched Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, yeah. It was thought, all right. I honestly, I tried to watch it and I fell asleep. <laughs> it was kind of weird like because uh, it's like uh, Nazi-controlled Germany or, or not Germany. Um <clears throat> Where are they at? Italy? Oh, it's like kind of like takes place during World War II during the occupation. Yeah. yeah got you. Which was a weird... And I thought the characters looked kind of weird. Like the human characters. I don't know. It was... But it was fine, I guess. <clears throat> um, What else you got? Um... So I watched I watched the Weird Al Yankovic movie. Yeah, dude. <laughs> what do you think? It was I mean it was funny. It was just like it got to the point where I I realized that it wasn't like actually like a biography. It was more like a parody of a biography. Right, yeah. And I think <laughs> once I realized that, I, I I think I need to go back and watch it again cuz like the about the first the last half I like really didn't like the movie because it just got progressively more and more ridiculous. But then when I kind of realized it was just a fucking parody, I was like, Weird Al never fucking dated Madonna. Like, what right. is going on in this movie? <laughs> and then when I realized he's just kind of making fun of himself, I'm like, yeah, all right, making I need fun to... of biopics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, all right, I need to like go back and give this another chance because like Daniel Radcliffe was genuinely pretty hilarious in that movie <laughs> i was just like i love that. everything that kid does man is gold my bologna <laughs> <laughs> he's so funny in that movie man and then you got like jack black in there and like just all these little yeah. conan o'brien and fucking all them people just show up briefly it's fun yeah well if you can make a fun of uh, songs then just I'm gonna pick a song and you make fun of it. Let's see how one up right now. Make one right up right now on the spot. Yeah, another one rides bus. Yeah, (laughs) hey, I'm gonna sit by you. Another one rides the bus. Yeah, it's fun. See, my next one was Birdman. Love that. Fucking Michael Keaton. Yeah, he's so good. Movie is fucking bananas, bro. Yeah, it's so fucking wild and. It's definitely ex- like explores like mental health and like mm-hmm. this, like the not getting help with your mental health issues for sure. Yeah, and uh, what the fuck is his face? Who's the other guy in there? I can't think of his name right now. Um, I forget who. I know Emma Stone's in that movie. Oh yeah, oh, she cute. plays his daughter. Yeah, yeah. I always. Uh, 
Hollywood crush, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, I, I kind of also like how it plays with uh, the insanity of fame, too. Like, And it, it, it's kind of weird because it is also kind of a... Almost like a, it's like a side by side of Michael Keaton's career in real life, like you know him playing Batman and getting mm-hmm. super famous, and then him like not being a popular draw, but then him like later in life having like a big revitalization of his career. Yeah, Edward Norton, who, oh, who yeah. I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, he's a man. You <laughs> he's know, crazy. Yeah, he's he trying was, to have like sex with that chick on stage and shit, like well, real. Well, <laughs> what's funny is uh, he like he's so good at playing like those slime ball characters, man. It really is. <laughs> like in Rounders, uh, when he plays Worm, like yeah, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yup, yup. <laughs> <clears throat> you got any more? Let's I see. do. Um, so I saw that new um, M. Night Shyamalan movie. Oh, The Knock at the Cabin? Yeah. It's funny because like, uh, the three movies I just kind of watched on my volition, I didn't like all that much. I was like, Knock at the Cabin is kind of like... Uh, it, it's a, it's really kind of like almost like a religious movie. It's a... Uh, sorry. I've seen previews for it. It's about the end of the world. Uh, I will say... Dave Bautista is actually phenomenal in that movie. That guy like, looks like he's gonna explode, man. He's like, he's like just so huge. Yeah, yeah he's, and he's on just naturally just such a big dude, man. I mean, he's like six three in real life. He's just a monster of a human being. But it's so interesting because he plays a, a school teacher in that movie. So it's like he is very convincing in like he's this person who feels he has to do these terrible things to save the world but it obviously doesn't sit well with him because he knows it's not right but he's like he's like this i have to do this otherwise the world's gonna end so it's a it was an interesting movie and like an interesting take on like in the world movies but i don't i don't think it was done very well um i don't like the ultimate conclusion of the movie i uh i don't know like I don't know. I don't, I don't really get into Shyamalan. Milan, Ding yeah, Dong. yeah. Um, he's got a couple. What's his best one? Would you say? Um, I would say it's hands down. It's got to be the Sixth Sense. Like, Sixth Sense. see, I don't think I've ever seen that. Um, I mean, a, I've seen Signs. Yeah, Signs is whack. Honestly, <laughs> his. I'll give you his best three movies. So his best three movies are, um, the Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis. It's a. Uh, it has it's his best twist ending, and then Unbreakable also with Bruce Willis is I would say his second best movie. Never seen it. Um, and then he's got this movie with called Split. It's got um, yeah. um, James McAvoy, and James McAvoy is fucking incredible in that movie. Split isn't a if you haven't seen Split, Split's an amazing movie because he literally play he's supposed to have like. You know, like twenty different split personalities, mm-hmm. and he like genuinely like plays like twenty different characters in that movie. It's like, it's pretty interesting. It's gonna be fun as an actor. Yeah, yeah, and you and you can tell it because he like breathes so much life into each performance. Hell yeah! Well, I got a bunch. I better run through them. <clears throat> Manchester by the Sea. Ever heard of it? I heard about it on a podcast and. It kind of got spoiled for me for that from that podcast, oh, but gotcha. I still really enjoyed it. It's like heavy drama, you know, heavy. That shit you like, yeah, shit, yeah. It's fucking pretty crazy. What's his name? Uh, Casey Affleck and some other people. Anyways, um, 
I watched Almost Famous. That's great that movie fucking, fucking movie. Rules, dude. <laughs> That's such a great movie. I mean, it's that it has it's so quotable too. Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't. It's got Jason Lee and it's fucking. Like, I am a golden god. Yeah, and I'm high on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I never said that when he finally writes the article. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Classic movie. You know the kid um that plays the uh, reporter in that movie is in a movie that you might like. It's called uh, Risk Cutter's A Love Story. It's about people that commit suicide and where the place that they go. But it, like it's a, you. I think you might dig it, man. It's. A, I think it's. It. I think it's weird enough. You might. I think. I. I think I know what movie I'm gonna pick next time. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of Downsizing? That movie with Matt Damon. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, I just like the concept of it. I just kind of couldn't get into. I thought it was. A little I weird. thought the concept was kind of interesting. Like the premise was interesting. You know, people just shrink down <clears throat> to a smaller humans so they don't create as much waste and you know things sure everything's it's like more environmental yeah, friendly. And yeah. Your, your money goes farther and shit like that but i feel like it could have been done better but i didn't hate it but uh it's an interesting concept then i watched a documentary blackfish have you seen this fucking it's about you know sea world and the, the whales and killer whales and shit it's no. bananas bro how they treat these whales and just ugh. Heartbreaking. Then yeah, I, I've I've heard um, not good things about SeaWorld and how they treat their uh, stars. I quote, mm, like yeah, Shamu. Um. Then I watched. Are you you, you Woody Allen guy? You ever fuck with his movies? Um, I think I've seen a couple of them. Um, but not really. They're not kind of my. They're not my deal. Yeah, me neither. Really. There's a couple that are okay that I liked, but um, this one was called Everything You Always Wanted to Know About Sex But Were Afraid to Ask. <laughs> and it's basically like, um, it's like skits, basically. There's a bunch of skits. Oh, I got you. But the best one was the last one, and it was like, uh, <clears throat> it was like a bunch of humans in a body that are uh, you know, operating the body. There's some in the brain, some in like the dick, okay. and some in like... Woody Allen is like a sperm and shit, and the, and it's just them trying to get laid, you know, just doing all these <laughs> things, and, and like Burt Reynolds was in that one, and uh, that was the best one. That was the funniest one. Um, Little Miss Sunshine, seen it? Very good movie. I'm, I'm familiar with the title. I don't know if I've ever actually seen the movie. It's this little girl who's trying to win a pageant or something. It's got like Steve Carell, Greg Kinnear, Paul Dano. It's pretty good, man. It's like a dramedy shit. That shit I like. A couple more. Uh, Crazy Heart with Jeff Bridges, where he's a country music singer. I've, it's a pretty good movie. I've never seen it, but I've only heard good things it's about decent. that movie. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, and the last one was White and Noise. That's that newer one with uh, Adam Driver. Have you seen it on Netflix? Like He looks weird in it. He looks a little off. Um, <laughs> the, the only white noise movie I'm familiar with is the Michael Keaton one, where it's like a, he's picking up like ghosts on like sound. Uh huh. Is it the white noise movie on Netflix? Anything like that, or 
I don't know that one. <clears throat> but the thing that was interesting about this movie is that um, it's about a train derailment and a train hauling toxic chemicals that gets derailed and there's an airborne toxic event okay. in Ohio. The shit that's happening in real life today. Oh, shit. Okay. So, and this came out just like last year. So it's weird how specifically accurate, on, on, right? Yeah. yeah. Dude. <laughs> what do they know that exactly, they aren't telling us? Dude, yeah. I didn't really like the movie, but <clears throat> but I just had to watch it because of that coincidence. I heard about it like on TikTok, and I was like, fuck, dude. That's fucking wild. Yeah. That's crazy, man. But anyways, let's get into these movies yeah. that we're deep diving in on today. I know, uh, what, uh, what one you want to talk about first, man? Um, I'm gonna let you pick this time. Uh, well, I got Meyerwitz stories right here. Okay. Well, I'm fine with that. Cool. 2017 dramedy movie. Director Noah Baumbach. Who did, uh, I've seen some of his mo- movies. Marriage Story, The Squid and the Whale, While We are Young. Wait, didn't he do... I think he did that white noise too. White noise movie. Yeah, that was him too. <clears throat> um, yeah, I didn't find no taglines for this movie either. Oh, but yeah, stars <laughs> Adam Sandler, Dustin Hoffman, Ben Stiller. I don't know the sister's name. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know the. Um... Any honestly, I didn't recognize any of the uh, female actresses in this movie. Yeah, like the mom and sh- or the stepmom or whatever. Yeah, I will say um, I enjoy the movie, but man, did I hate Dustin Kaufman's character. I know he's such a difficult guy, man. Yeah, you know? well, it's he's just so pompous too. Like yeah. he's um, he's kind of the archetype for a narcissistic parent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, I I felt that at the end, um, where he was like, "Oh yeah, I need you to stay with me." But then on Saturday, my buddy that you like is gonna come over, but you can't be here. <laughs> like he's like, "You're gonna have to fuck off. Like you're not allowed to hang out with us because basically you're not good enough." It was just like <laughs> I was like, "Man, it hit a little close to home." Because like that's kind of, you know, my uh, my stepdad was a real piece of shit too and i like that's kind of like a lot of the, like the narcissism and shit that dustin hoffman's character was saying like really kind of reminded me of being around my stepdad i'm just like you're just <laughs> you're just so unlikable i know <laughs> like, you're man. Just so up your own ass about yourself like and I, that was the thing too is like like his sculptures and stuff i was just like no, they're not that good. I was like, you're just kind of a pretentious <laughs> prick, man. Like, yeah. You're like, essentially, you're one of those art teachers whose work isn't very good, but you're really, it's, it seemed like he's very ex- good at explaining work and like getting students invested in making artwork. That was kind of like what I took away about his character. Um, so that was kind of like the po- It seemed like more like the positive side. Oh, that people that actually liked um, Harold uh, Meyerowitz in that movie didn't really know the real Harold. It was more like outside interactions with him, like at school or work or, 
you know, I don't think he ever had like an honest conversation with his uh, buddy LJ because he's constantly shitting on him behind his back uh, yeah. like, because he was so jealous of his success. Right, like, right. Yeah. So, all right, we got a 93 tomato score. Pretty good, huh? 72 audience. And uh, <clears throat> honestly, this is the second time watching this movie. And I like, while I'm watching it, like, I don't know really why I picked it. <laughs> I don't really know why. I mean, I like the movie, but it's not like a go-to for me. Yeah, and I, I, I was gonna say it's like a movie. I'm glad I watched. Like, it's, it's not a bad movie. It's a good movie. Um, I think it has a very interesting family dynamic that people mm-hmm. can relate to. Yeah, and I think that's why it has such a positive reception because it's like, you know, there's a lot of fa- there's a lot of fucked up families like that. There's a lot of there's a lot of dysfunction in families, even when you like each other. Yeah. Like, um, even when you care for each other, there's, uh, you know, fam- like, family is just, they're not, it's not perfect. It's messy. <laughs> and that's kind of, that's the part that I, I like the most about it is, like, it was real. But then, like, the parts I didn't like was just, like, like I was saying, like, Harold really kind of reminded me of my stepdad in a lot of ways. And I just... I fucking hated his guts in this movie, man. Like, Dustin Hoffman. I'm just like, man. (laughs) There's so many uh, scenes where I just kind of want to punch him right in the face. And so does his sons. You know what I mean? But thinking about it, like, it's just like, that is, like, fantastic acting. Anytime you can invest your audience enough to make them actually dislike your yeah. character that yeah. much like it means you're like, doing your job yeah right. yeah he's like you really like owning that character yeah <clears throat> so yeah basically it's the jewish family and uh what adam sandler was like moving back in with his dad at the beginning yeah because he was getting a divorce yeah yeah going through like a messy divorce and then ben stiller lives like on the west coast or whatever yep, he lives in la yeah <laughs> yeah and they live in what new york um. Yeah. Uh, his dad lives in New York. Yes. Um. Yep. I want to say. Uh, I um. They they were specific about it. I think if you um track down the college, I think it would be Brooklyn. I think is that's where his dad is. And then um, I'm not. I didn't really pick up exactly where his sister lived. I think you would have to like know the city a little bit better because they yeah. mostly just say like street names and I think they're using like real street names in New York and I don't right. like New York enough to know <laughs> the geography like that but I think his dad lives in Brooklyn because I think the art school and I could be wrong uh, listeners if I'm wrong comment below tell me I'm wrong it's fine I'm <laughs> But Tell him I, how fucking stupid he is. No, <laughs> yeah, you can do it. I mean, I, you know, I'll just look at it and think you're an asshole and I won't say anything, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I think I think his dad lives in Brooklyn. Yeah, but um, so anyways, yeah, he's a sculptor, and like, he's got like something going on in his brain, right? Well, he's a retired uh, professor, but um, the brain thing, um, is a result of him. Uh, taking a nasty fall oh, yeah, and then fell, not telling anybody, right. but that that doesn't kind of happen until later in the movie. That's right. <clears throat> and it's kind of like at first it seems like Ben Stiller is the favorite because he hasn't you know shown up yet and like Hoffman's telling Sandler like how much how successful Ben Stiller's doing you know 
and just how proud of him he is whatever just trying to like get under sandlin's skin or whatever <laughs> yeah well it's kind of like one of those things where um you can tell that um dustin hoffman's character harold invested the most time into ben, ben stiller's character yeah, danny danny um, oh wait, and but and danny is sandler right Oh, you're right. You're right. Uh, Danny is Sandler. Um, I forget. Still, Matthew. Matt. Matt. Matt is uh, Matthew is uh, still his character, and uh, Harold has invested the most time into Matthew, and you know, Harold resents Matthew because he's t- uh, more successful than he was. But he's but he's also business. But he's, he's also disappointed that he didn't pursue art. Right. And. And Sandler's um, like a musician, and then well, and Matthew also resents um, Harold for putting all that pressure to succeed where Harold failed because he wanted him to be an artist like L.J., where he was like a you know a super well-known, wealthy artist instead of just being a corporate chill. But he's still like the only one that he really in- gets invested into. He really kind of treats his other children like garbage, and like he only the really daughter. brings well, really both both Danny and um, I don't remember the daughter's name. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, <laughs> but uh, he only brings him around when he needs stuff, and I just like that's type A narcissistic behavior, and it's like it's a little gross, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like it's like really fucked up too when he's like his he knows his son is going through. A divorce and like a good parent would be like okay you know take your time get on your feet but the first thing he says he's like okay so when are you gonna figure out what you're gonna do when are you gonna get a job and move out like that's day w- i was like i could see if he was there for months not doing anything <laughs> right. but on day one he says that to him and then it's just like or he just you know saying to other people what a disappointment his other children are and it's just like that's so <laughs> fucked up man <laughs> And it's just like, yeah, it's like, you know, you were this hotshot art teacher, but that time's over and, like, nobody gives a fuck about your art. It's not even good. Like, (laughs) you know, you, like, you stroke your, he just, he just constantly likes to stroke his own ego. Like, when he meets Sigourney Weaver, he's like, oh, I had this wonderful (laughs) conversation with her. And all they did was say hello to one another. (laughs) And I'm just like, dude, how... How much do you need to pad your own ego? It's uh, it's Gorney Weaver. Yeah, it's kind of like um, I would compare Harold to Michael Scott in The Office, where he just <laughs> needs constant <laughs> affirmation of his like own ego. Sure. Because he's such a sh- really shallow and vapid human being. Um, it's like he's well educated, so he's capable of expressing himself. In what seems like an intelligent manner, but if you really pay attention to what he's saying, he's really just full of shit. <laughs> he's just really just a bitter, old, jealous man who never actually succeeded in the way that he wanted. That and John it, Denver's full of shit, man. <laughs> um, and it, it really, uh, you know, that and that pressure, it really um, spilled out onto his kids. Like you could really see how it affected them, how he kind of just... Threw them all kind of to the wayside, except for Matthew. But even then, it's just like, I don't know. It's kind of like like that perfect uh, storm of just how uh, fucked up 
families can be and like how fucked up your parents can make you yeah. like yeah <clears throat> um so yeah i wrote down that that song that sandler sings with his daughter at you know um towards the beginning i thought that was very nice it was it's like uh mommy and daddy and genius girl makes three i meant to a little lo- teary on that yeah i uh meant to look up the jingle because the jingle is definitely taken from another song and they just kind of just wrote words over it mm-hmm. maybe i don't remember what song it is but it's so familiar though now how about uh, uh sandler's daughter <laughs> she's all making movies of her own <laughs> just like these crazy kind of sex movies so pagina uh, man <laughs> so what's really funny about her movies pagina man is um it, it's it's it was funny for me because i went to art school so i was exposed to a lot of stuff like that and it's real like there is um it's called the mckenzie institute and it is basically an entire um place dedicated to like of this very thin fine line of what makes um something art and makes something else pornography and so his daughter kind of like falls in that line it really kind of reminded me a lot of the shit from the uh mckinsey uh institute and like their art galleries and stuff because we uh had um a showing at heron that had a lot of their stuff in it and some stuff was like much more tasteful and then other stuff was i was just like oh man this is almost this is basically just pornography. Like, right. It's like it's a very so that and that's kind of that is kind of the funny uh, thing about art is it's so subjective. So like artists kind of get a lot of artists get away with bullshit like that where they um they have a, a nice aesthetic and so they attach like a bullshit concept to it and gallery directors and like people in the art world that the people that aren't good at actually making art fucking eat that shit up and they did once you got them eating in the palm of their hands you can make up any bullshit you want and, and sell it as it, art yeah. and they buy it yeah because you know it's this whole it's a like art becomes like a status symbol so it's um it's on it was funny be, it was funny because at the one hand his daughter's almost literally sending him pornography yeah. so it's like but it's also doubly funny because it's it's a real art world thing and like there's a lot of people that eat that shit up, and it's like and it, it was really funny to me on both those things. And it's it's interesting how like uh, they're all so supportive of her too. They're like not put off by it or nothing. Right. They're, they're very supportive about and what think, she wants to I do. I think part of that. Movies. I think part of that is it's a duality where. Um, Sandler's character is almost too supportive because he didn't get that from his dad. Exactly, exactly. Um, And so, I honestly, I would say that um, at at the very least, you know, Danny is a much better father to his kid than his dad was to him, like by far. Like (laughs) probably, yeah. Um. I wrote down that the dialogue is so fast in this movie. Like, that conversation that they're having in the diner uh, with Stiller and Hoffman, that just, it just goes off the walls very quickly. Yeah, well, I think part of it is because Harold is such a 
a stinted person and he's so stuck in his ways that any like he honestly almost he's so bitter he looks for reasons to get upset so yeah. he can fly off the handle because he just he just has to almost always have to have something to be upset about yeah when they like put the wine glass on the table and shit. And he starts drinking out of it yeah <laughs> and i mean granted that it, that what those people were doing was rude yeah but he was so passive aggressive about. It. He literally could have just been like, "Hey, can you please not do that? Can you please keep your stuff on your table?" Yeah, like that's all it would have taken. If they were assholes about it, then he could have just asked somebody in the wait staff to be like, "Hey, can you tell them to not do that anymore, please?" Like it's it's rude. <clears throat> yeah, and like in that conversation, man, it's like he like blatantly ignores some of the things stiller is saying and then he's like subtly insulting him just with his words and shit. i don't know no no it's it was very um it's very uh because he um he's such a vapid personality he's such a narcissist that he doesn't want to accept that he is no longer successful and that he can't just support that. Bitter about that. Yeah, he's bitter about the not being able to actually afford the New York residence because for the longest time he positioned himself in his mind as this hot shit artist and this hot shit college professor and he's none of those things anymore. Like his um his he f- and he, he knows his legacy is kind of fading into obscurity. And he's very bitter about it, especially like um, after the uh, thing with LJ, where LJ is like, you know, he's they're the same age, but he's extremely successful in his art, and he and Howard can't handle that because he feels like it should be him instead of being happy for his friend and actually enjoying that moment with his friend. He's such a curmudgeon asshole. (laughs) He gets jealous and. He fucking literally runs out the door because he he's so jealous and ashamed that it's not him. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how, like, Stiller, before he went back to New York, he was like, I don't let my dad get to me anymore or whatever and shit. And <laughs> ultimately, he ends up getting real frustrated well, with his dad. Well, and it's like, you can't, you almost can't blame them, though. Because Harold pulls it out of them. Like, he knows their buttons, and he just <laughs> yeah. constantly pushes and pushes them. That's why my, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when Ben Stiller finally, he, like, he can't take it anymore. Oh, right. And he's like, I beat he, you. Like, That's why you're upset. Yeah. You, I beat you. <laughs> like, right. I'm more successful than you ever were. I beat you. Oh. Uh, that part had me rolling, man. That was, and uh, then like, he thinks the dude stole his jacket or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and well, he's Stiller he's, runs after him. He's literally like he did it. It's like you, you know, he kind of did that on purpose. He was being petty because he was upset, and that was like his petty revenge. You want another one? Um, I still have a beer right here. I'll you, can, you can have another one. <laughs> Whatever's clever. Um, and then you have those like scenes that just cut out of nowhere did you notice that yeah it's weird uh it's um the editing is a little choppy in this movie well i'm sure they did that on purpose but like i I don't know why (laughs) it's like samuel sandler would just be screaming and then it just cuts like mid-sentence or something like that i thought that's interesting 
Yeah, his condition gets worse. Jean, that was her name, or the sister. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, you find out that Jean, her dad's friend or whatever, masturbated in front of her, front of her or something at the beach. It was, uh, yeah, yeah, so it was at the beach house, and she was taking a shower, and he came into the, the shower area. And yeah, and just started masturbating. That was funny, like, she saw him, and <laughs> she just, she just starts away, yeah. <laughs> And honestly, though, how, like, it's, it was a, like, something... I've never seen Jean run. That's how she runs. <laughs> and, well, and it's, uh, it's just that thing, because her, her dad's fucking just... He's a ter- he's honestly a terrible person. Instead of yeah, he didn't like confront him or nothing. No, he's he just kind of well, he, no harm, no foul or whatever. Well, he's like, well, he if he does it, it again, off. I'm gonna punch him in the nose. Like, but it's it's like one of those things where Harold says that kind of stuff to. It, again, it goes back to him being a narcissist, where he has to have that bravado in front of his kids, but he never actually. If you notice, he never actually confronts anybody in the movie he everything he says and does behind the back is, is either behind the back or he says it in a very passive aggressive manner like everything is like it, it's so toxic because he just he he just says things right off the cusp instead of saying what he actually means um he never like really actually addresses people I and mean, he just honestly he like with um with Danny, he just kind of uses them. Like, he he only wants to spend time with Danny when it's convenient for him. And then as soon as he doesn't want him to be around, he's like, "Yeah, you can just fuck off. I don't right. really care about you." Like, yeah, it's <clears throat> it's very uh, yeah. I put a bad taste in my mouth. I was like, I was like, God, Dustin Hoffman, you are a <laughs> son of a bitch in this movie. <laughs> They end up fucking up that old dude's car and shit. <laughs> that cracked me up so much. But it, that was like, see, that, that was those little moments where like they'd been estranged for so long, and it's like, um, that's that's kind of the part that um, I really like felt because I left my parents' house when I was seventeen, and so I didn't really have a relationship with my little brother or sister because I was, you know, I moved three hours away from Chicago. I was I was basically spent most of my adult life here going to college like doing my own thing. And so I got I kind of did what Danny did. I like left and I kind of became estranged from my siblings for a while. And it was it's like um I really felt that. Like that's I felt a lot of that kind of stuff. It was like reminded me of my own life where you know you have you finally have those moments where you break ground with your siblings were like you like i don't know if you you probably didn't have that like i think you were probably pretty close with your brothers most of your life right like, <clears throat> yeah pretty much yeah. so uh with me being older in a way like i uh, i related that to a lot like having that one moment where you really like get to bond with people that you haven't been around in a really long time and, and i was just like yeah that's like that's real family shit. Like you haven't seen somebody and you just have an experience like that where you go, you know, fucking bust a car window out of some asshole that fucked your sister over. Like, yeah, it is nice how they, you know, get back together and they're like, yeah, I miss, I missed you and shit, you know? Yeah. They have those it's moments nice in spite of Harold. Yeah. In spite of him kind of trying to turn them against each other. So they're on his side. It, it was kind of, nice to have for them to have those bonding moments 
Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Matt ends up selling the house and all the art. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it, I guess, on this movie. Oh, and the part <clears throat> towards the end where the art piece was called Matthew, but then it, you find out that it should have been called Danny yep. or whatever. Yeah, because it's like his dad. Uh, Got he, the name wrong. Well, he had forgot that um, it was actually Danny, who who was actually the like one with him. him. Yeah, yeah. To make that piece or whatever. Yo, <clears throat> that was kind of sad. Huh? Yeah, Damn, bro. <laughs> yeah, that one kind of hit me. I was just like, but it wow. does make you. It does. It does feel good for Danny, I guess. Well, actually, I think uh, it's the opposite. I think it makes him feel worse because he was like, he finds out he had this moment with his dad. And his dad doesn't even care enough about him to like, to, like remember to, to relish yeah. that moment. Right. Instead, he he warps the memory so it suits a narrative that he has with his younger brother Dan. Yeah. <clears throat> well, to quote um, Home Alone, how you feel about your family is a complicated thing. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that should have been the tagline for this movie. Honestly, like I, I think it would have felt fit really well. So, what do you say? What do you rank in this movie? Um, Rated? I mean, the acting was good. I enjoyed. I, I thought the acting was really good too. I enjoyed the movie. I would give it a solid six. Like I think that's about where I'm at too. Yeah. Six, six five maybe. Yeah, I um. Because uh, I enjoyed it, but I don't think it's a movie I would really like watch a bunch of times. But I, I wasn't sad that I watched it. Like, yeah, I enjoyed it. Like I said, I'm not sure why I picked it. I knew I liked it, but it's just my, you know, it was yeah. like a last minute choice. You know? Yeah, no, that's okay. This one, this time, I have one locked and loaded. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. All right, let's jump over to the other movie. Seven Psychopaths. Seven Psychopaths. Uh, I fucking love this 2012 movie. 2012 comedy crime movie. Dude, the uh, the character acting in this movie is so fucking good, man. <laughs> like, like all the main cast: Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson, Colin, Colin Farrell, and Christopher Walken. Like, they all like they're just so good. All of them, they, and they're they have like some really memorable scenes and lines. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but I really like I um I've always felt like. Sam Rockwell has always been like an underrated actor, and I think this movie was like a movie that like really re- he really gets to shine and like show his shit like yeah I, he's I just, fucking nuts in this movie he's and, so and great well and it's like he he is kind of um he's the pity, epitome of a sociopath that's the kind of psychopath he is because he like it's he knows things are wrong but he doesn't feel bad about doing things he knows are wrong. You know what I mean? He has like, he's kind of devoid of a moral compass. And so he doesn't like really have like feelings, which is kind of ironic though, because it's actually kind of turns out that despite all the messed up stuff he does, he's actually kind of a pretty good friend to Hans and to, uh, Oh, what's, uh, what's Farrell's character's name in this movie? Marty. So he's a really good friend to Hans and Marty, even though he's a fucking psychopath. <laughs> like, right. Because, I mean, like, he gives Marty a pa- place to crash when his girlfriend kicks him out. He literally invents a fucking, basically, uh, 
character to inspire Marty's like screenplay. <laughs> like, right. I mean, it's a really fucking psycho thing to do, but you know, he like he kind of like, despite being a sociopath, he kind of like has good intentions like for his friends. He just goes about it in a really fucked up way. Yeah, so it's director Martin McDonough who did Banshees of Inner Sheer. Yep, and also in Bruges, yeah. And he also wrote the screenplay. It's an 83% tomato meter. Pretty good, pretty good. 71 audience. Not too shabby. The tagline is, they won't take any shih tzu. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Yeah, that's not bad, man. I like that tagline. But yeah, um... Michael Stolberg. Oh, but yeah, it's kind of a meta type of movie because it's like a guy writing a script and shit. And yeah, well, uh, I mean, in the, about seven this psychopaths. Is, this is definitely a movie you have to watch more than once because there's so much stuff you'll yeah, catch. This is my first watch, so um, people know. I don't know if you noticed, um, but uh. When they're in the car driving to the desert, for the rest of the movie, every time they're having a conversation, they're basically telling the audience how the rest of the movie is going to play out, <laughs> which is really funny to me. Because <laughs> like they're talking about like oh, because uh, like uh, uh, when um, Sam Rockwell's character is asking. Uh, Colin Farrell's character how the movie's gonna end he's like yeah I guess you know he's like I don't want it to be too violent I want it to you know it's just basically end up it's just a bunch of guys talking in the desert and that's exactly right. what happens yeah. and then Sam Rockwell's no fuck that there's gotta be a big shootout this movie ends my way and he just and it kinda does like you know Sam Rockwell's in that uh, F is for family you ever watch that show nah it's pretty good Bill Burr um, oh, oh, that's right. He plays. Uh, I'm sorry. I, 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 th- I thought. Uh, I thought you were talking about the show with uh, um, Ed O'Neill in it, the uh, Modern Family. But no. Oh yeah, I've seen Efforts for Family. I fucking love Efforts for Family. It's so fun. Yeah, Sam Rockwell plays the uh, the cool disc jockey that lives next door with yeah, the, the neighbor, huge cock. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's that whole thing where the guy slices his throat? I, f- I forget because I watched this like over a week ago. So. Oh, okay. So, um, and then he slices his own. So, um, trying to remember. Christopher Walken is also the type of psychopath who, um, he, I would say he's very laissez faire. I, I, I wouldn't say that he, um, is the same type of psychopath that Sam Rockwell is. That's kind of what's interesting is like each each character, like even Marty is kind of, you know, a crazy person in his own way. Uh but um with uh Christopher Walken's character, he is a type of psychopath where um like he's the opposite of Sam Rockwell. He's not very reactive like he's not very emotional right um like when like even when his wife, wife gets yeah. killed like i mean you can tell he he's like he's sad about it but he, he's not like really affected about it and i think that's just kind of um 
how he goes about life because I don't, I don't like, I think he's just kind of lost. I think part of that is, um, he was the type of person who lived like a very structured, like, you know, he's a person that needed structure to go about life. And then after his daughter died, it, like that structure was gone. Like his, you know, that he was a family man. He's a Quaker. He, you know, it, like, I think, it, I think it really made him question his faith in God and um when this person that killed his daughter finally found faith and he basically um because of what he did to his daughter he didn't want that person to ever find redemption and so with his last like bit of faith that is what the slicing of his throat was about is so he basically stalked this guy until he couldn't live with the guilt of what he had done to right. Christopher Walken's daughter. So I mean and that you know that kind of focus that kind of that was wild. Yeah, that that is a that's a special kind of crazy like people that are that patient um and so that was the uh what the slitting of his throat was is like, um, cause the guy's like, you know, I might go to hell, but at least I'll have a reprieve from you. Yeah. And so and Christopher walking, slitting his old throat. He's like, no, I'll see you there. Like, he's like, you'll have to deal with this for an eternity. Like, yeah, yeah. It is a crazy thing to do. And that's, but that's kind of what I love. You know, it's kind of a psychopathic. It is. But at the same time, when he has that conversation with Marty, um, in the car where Marty's like, he's like, he's like, well, why did you do that? He's like, that's so, he's like, that's so over the top. That's crazy. He's like, well, you know, I just, I thought it was what needed to be done at the time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, he's like, so kind of like, it's, he's like, it's like, um, what I think what the, what I was trying to say about Christopher, what makes him so crazy is the fact of like the things he's willing to do, like the extremes he's willing to go to. And he just. It's like not a big deal to him, you know what I mean? Like the um, like when he uh, decides to save Sam Rockwell and Marty from the rest of the um, gang members, the uh, Italian mob guys, by pretending to have a gun in his jacket. Like mm. it's like most people wouldn't just, uh, you know, just jump right to that. Like uh, I don't know, it's very uh, very kind of like weird interesting character i don't know i like i love the characters in this movie man like they're just it's just such a different movie <laughs> uh. i thought the scene was funny with the vietnamese guy where he's all talking and then the topless girl walks out <laughs> dude i laugh <laughs> she's every like what song. are you talking chinese he said vietnamese she's like oh didn't we have a war with you or something <laughs> yeah dude i know it's supposed to be funny like like, laughing yeah well and it's like you know like a lot of people are really kind of fucking ignorant like that too though but i uh i kind of like um that kind of uh beautiful moment at the end of the movie where christopher walken is explaining how marty should end his movie with instead of like all the violence or all the like stuff that happened in the desert where it should turn the crazy Vietnamese killer. And instead it's a Buddhist monk, like literally letting go of all his hatred because he's protesting something he's his in, just by nature completely against. And he like wants this slaughter and war to end in uh, Vietnam. 
So he's the first monk to set them on fire, which was a real event. Like they really did that um, in Vietnam in 1963, which I thought was like a really cool, um, not only like a way to like, hey, maybe maybe there is a better way, but mm. also it was a cool nod to like actual history. Mm-mm-mm. Wrote down one of the quotes from Rockwell. <laughs> he said, "He's got some great ones, man." <laughs> yeah, he said, "Of course you like drinking." For one year, a writer, um, a writer from Ireland, you're fucked from birth. It's part of your heritage. <laughs> yep, he's, <laughs> he's like, like, you're fucked. Yep. <laughs> uh, he's like, the Spanish got bullfighting, the French have cheese, and the Irish have alcoholism. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he delivers those lines just off the cuff. I, I also love the scene where Marty is reading... Um, uh, Sam Rockwell's diary <laughs> and he's talking about the flag and he's just like they have the right to wave their flag note to self do not burn down their flag <laughs> and Marty looks up and you can see like the singe marks on the flag where he set it on fire <laughs> there's just so there's honestly so much subtle stuff like that in this movie that's like really tongue in cheek I think make it great but I think it's balanced pretty well with like a lot of Serious stuff. Um. Yeah. So uh, he like he's trying to write this script, and he puts an ad out in the paper for psychopaths. That's a great thing too. <clears throat> that was interesting. And then uh, the whole um, other part of the story where Woody Harrelson is literally just trying to find his dog because he's a gangster, and he's right. Like, and they have this oh. whole operation where they steal dogs and hold them ransom or whatever. Oh, well, they return them for... Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, so they, uh, they're they dog nappers, but then they pretend like they just, you know, they're like, hey, you, I just found your dog, and I saw an ad in the paper. So like they so have this like really reward. like little uh, scene going. Yeah, so they get rewards for returning dogs that they actually kidnap. It's kind of... It's pretty funny. But then they stole the wrong dog. Yeah, Shih yeah. Tzu. Yep. Well, you know, that's kind of the funny thing about uh, um, Woody Harrelson's character is he's the kind of psychopath where he's kind of devoid of love. He just kind of views everything as his possessions. And I, I think that's why he's so obsessed about the dog is because it's his favorite possession. <laughs> like, <clears throat> And that's why, like, you see all that extremism from him. Like, oh, man, yeah. And I, I like I really like the way all the characters play off one another in this movie. But my my favorite scene is towards the end, <laughs> and it makes me laugh every time. Is when the gangster is holding the shotgun to uh, Christopher Walken, and he's like, "Stop right there!" And he goes, "No." Oh yeah. <laughs> he's like, but, "I've seen but, that clip before." He's like, but but I have a gun. So, I don't care. <laughs> like, he's like, and you look at the guy. He's like, he has no idea what to he's do. Like, he's what? like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so great. Yeah, that's man. funny. Oh, I knew this old Tom Waits in there. No. Yep, he's the old uh, serial killer who uh, had the uh, black girlfriend where they went around murdering. Uh, Oh, that's right. They went around murdering other serial killers, yeah. He was in that Buster Scruggs movie. That that shit's pretty good. <clears throat> um 
Oh yeah, the scene where Woody Harrelson's in there with Walken's wife, you know? That was an yeah. intense fucking scene. Yeah, that, well that's kind of like the... um. You were hoping like he would bust in and, you know, shoot him first or whatever, but... Yeah, well, and there's some like, really, uh, there's some really raw scenes in it too, like that let you know, like that it's not a, this isn't like a happy-go-lucky, um, you know, like action movie where the heroes just win. It's like really, um, the only one who gets away unscathed is Marty, but everything he's been through, like he lost his best friend, he lost like a associate he just met, like. He has his girlfriend is gone because of his al- his crippling alcoholism, like, mm-hmm. and uh, that's kind of like. Uh, did you watch the after credit scene with Tom Waits? I'm not sure. What so, happens. so what happens is if you if you um turn off the movie directly when the credits roll, there's actually a real... Uh, I don't usually do that. I usually let the credits roll, so I yeah. probably did see it. So Tom Waits actually calls him, and he's like, hey, you didn't put m- the phone number in the movie to let Bonnie know to call yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I, I really like that scene, too, because... um, He's like, fuck. <laughs> forgot. Yeah, he's like, fuck. But he's like, he's like, I'm gonna come to kill you on Tuesday. Is that good for you? He's like, Yeah, Tuesday. I got nothing going on. He's like, You, you sound like you've really been through the ringer, man. He's like, You could say that. And he's like, He's like, You know what? Tuesday isn't good for me. He's like, I'll be in touch. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's that like is a, great. It's a little uh, like a nice little touch that where it's just like. Um, and it's not, I don't think it's because Tom Waits' character doesn't want to kill Marty. I think it's more of like, it would defeat the purpose of it because he's like in such a place where he's just like, yeah, okay, come kill me. I don't even fucking care. <laughs> like, it, it just kind of defeats the, like the fun and purpose of right. taking that revenge on him. There's a little off thing I wrote down. Do you find uh, that Sam Sam Rockwell kind of looks like Dana Carvey in some some scenes? <laughs> um, he just kind of. I actually, him. I think he actually resembles Dax Shepard more. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. I, I think they. Um. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do a side by. You pull up. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna pull up Dax Shepard. You pull up a picture of uh, Sam Rockwell. <clears throat> Let's do a face shot. Images. Let me let me get this going. Yeah, oh, that was news. I want images. Come on. What else was he in? I wonder. The Green Mile. Oh yeah, yeah. He plays the. Uh, the psycho killer in Green Mile that killed the two little girls. He's a he's honest he's been in some really good movies, but uh pull up pull up that headshot. That one. Specifically that one. <clears throat> see, I think these two guys kinda look alike. Yeah, I could see it. I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they do. What do you What do you guys think? Let us Let us know. You think uh, Sam Rockwell and Dax Shepard look alike? Because I definitely think they do. Or Dana Carvey. <laughs> I mean, now that you say it, I kind of I do see the Dana Carvey a little bit. But I think uh, 
I don't know. I, I think those guys look alike, like, especially in those pictures. Yeah. They look like they could be brothers for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what else I got? Oh, I wrote down this might be a bit of a weird take, but do you think Sam Rockwell might be a little gay for Colin Farrell? Maybe. Because <laughs> it kind of seems like that. Like, he's really... He really wants to be part of everything he's doing. Um, he wants to be part of the movie. I don't know. It just, I got a little vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not against it if that, if that's the case. I, I honestly think uh, it just goes back to I'm saying is you know sometimes the your craziest friend can be your best friend who only like wants to do stuff with you. You know what I mean? Like you ever had that like one over the top friend where like they can just be. A bit too much. Clingy. <laughs> yeah, and I think Sam, I really just think Sam Rockwell's more like that, where he's kind of like clinging and just wants to kind of do everything just with Marty. Yeah, of, yeah, just wants to be a part of it. And like he doesn't think that uh, Marty's girlfriend is a, uh, Kaya is good for him, which is why he's always saying she's a fucking cunt. Like, <laughs> 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 I love when he reads his diary. He's like, you know, he's like, you should support Marty more in his, uh, relationship with Kaya because she might possibly not be a guy <laughs> <laughs> uh, the big final shootout yeah but uh Sam Rockwell is definitely uh, it's funny because like it's like Hans like he only does things like and he kind of does things in a meticulous fashion whereas um Sam Rockwell's character is super impulsive. <laughs> He's like zero impulse control. <laughs> is this another quote? I know you said dreams are for fags, <laughs> but yep. they're for everyone, not just fags. <laughs> He's like, also... And I don't think they like being called fags. <laughs> I think it's... uh, They prefer homos? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that's Christopher that's a, Walken. That's yeah. a quote. Yeah, Christopher Walken is a he's fucking great in this movie, man. Yeah. I like when he uh I like when he just straight up takes peyote and walks in the woods <laughs> and he's like, I don't I don't believe in God anymore. <laughs> 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 and then Marty tries to be a good friend because he knows like how important religion is to Hans. So he's like, No, no, Hans. I uh are not Marty, you know, Sam Rockwell's character. He tries to be a good friend and be like, no, I just, I was messing with you when you were high. It was my voice you were hearing. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, despite being this crazy fucking person that murders somebody, he kind of almost always has his friends back. Like, mm -hmm. and it's like, and when Marty, uh, he puts Marty into that dangerous situation with the gangster, he basically figures a way out for him so he can go away without getting hurt, even though like... Sam Rockwell fully, like, he, like, kind of, it's weird, because he's, like, he really kind of wants to die in, like, this spectacular fashion. <laughs> right. <laughs> and some people are just crazy like that, man. They just, like, uh, <clears throat> they want to go out guns blazing. Yeah. But, yeah, there's just so much going on in this movie. Yeah, it, it definitely really, deserves another watch. Yeah, you know, and I mean, me. it's it's a, a, a. I tell you what, man, it'll your second or third watch. It will be like the best one. Like, I mean, I I love this movie every time I watch it. It's honestly one of my um, favorite Christopher Walken, Sam Rockwell movies. Like, I mean, uh, it's 
it's a movie I always go back to eventually. I probably watch it like once a year. It's kind of like forgetting Sarah Marshall. I just I just really enjoy it. It's it's always um fun. It has its intense moments, but I feel like it's paced really well. So like I don't ever feel like it drags out in any part. It like mm-hmm. it has a really good flow to it. I think that's what I really like about this director is um his movies tend to not have like patches of they don't there there's nothing that ever feels like it drags on. Like it very yeah. like each scene is like intentional and it it, it has a, a point to it. You haven't seen Banshees yet, have you? I, I need to watch it. That's the one I haven't seen that he's done. It's on HBO. It's pretty good. I really liked it. <clears throat> um, but yeah. I wrote down that it's not exactly my favorite type of movie, but it's very close, you know? Yeah. And it's hard to pinpoint like what it is about it. I think it's like kinda action y maybe that's part that but uh, but, there, but no, but I funny. really, really liked it. I, but just, yeah, <laughs> what's funny though is like the only part that has a lot of action in it is the, uh, like, the scene where he's talking about how he thinks the movie should end. Like that's the only like part that is like that. It's it's funny because it's uh the only like real action sequences that happen are when something is either being retold. Or it's like uh, an idea is being presented, like so with um, mm-hmm. with Sam Rockwell. That crazy action scene is all him talking about his vision, how the movie should end, mm-hmm. and then Christopher Walken is just being nice. He's like, "Oh, I guess I guess that's a pretty okay ending." <laughs> like, but he really like then him and Marty are talking. He's like, "That's a that's a terrible ending to a movie. It can't happen like that." <laughs> um. Yeah, I think this was a pretty great pick. I'm glad you picked it. Um, There's a lot of stuff about the afterlife and stuff in there. But I would have to rewatch it to dig deeper on all that. Yeah, uh, it it requires a... It's definitely worth the second watch. It requires a lot of watch. Um, That's kind of what I find charming about it, is I think it poses a lot of questions, but it doesn't try to give like false answers or like you know hit you over the head with that you know it, it has to be this way it's just more like a thing of like well what what is it that exactly is like or what makes somebody a psychopath you know what i mean sure, yeah. what do you say should we rate it yeah yeah let's do it man I'm at about a seven five ish. Hey man, for a first time watch, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty close to my score. Pretty I mean, I, I give this movie a solid A, man. Hell like, yeah, I, I really love this movie. Um, it's one of my favorite movies. I, I really enjoy it. I'm glad you liked it, man. I'm glad I, I picked one you like this time. <laughs> I'm really liking Colin Farrell a lot more these days. I mean, I've always liked him, but <clears throat> I, I, you know, he is kind of like Michael Keaton, where I think he kind of peaked. Early in his career, and then he had to go through like yeah. Remember phone booth? <laughs> the whole movie was just in a phone booth, and it was still like entertaining, you know. Like it was kind of <laughs> yeah. surprising, but I think he's somebody that he kind of peaked early, um, and then he kind of he kind of his career went through a rough spot, and then when he came back, he started doing like all these great movies, like Seven Psychopaths in Bruges. Like he became a lot more um, picky with his choices. And have I've, you ever heard of Killing of a Sacred Deer? 
No. I might have to choose that. It's very strange movie. Okay. I mean, I know he's in that movie called, I think it's called The Lobster or something like that. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that. I know it's supposed I just to be real the, weird. Yeah. A couple week, few weeks ago. But yeah, let's move on. Let's t- do some picks. Picks next for next okay. time. Um, I know I was talking about picking that one movie we we're talking about, but actually, I want to pick a movie this time around that I'm pretty sure neither one of us has seen. Oh, cool. So, um, it's been a movie I've wanted to watch because I've only heard really good things about it. Um, it's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I've seen it. I love it. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Well, then, good. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it once, though, and uh, that's definitely one that deserves more watches. Um, <clears throat> no, so I, it's been on my list for a long time. It's kind of like Uncut Gems. But it was just back in theaters, too, man. I was, I I was going to go, but then didn't. Yeah, but that's that's my pick, man. I, Hell I yeah, really, bro! That movie rocks. I really want to watch it, and I'm glad I've, I'm glad I finally picked it because um, it's been on my list for a long time. And I think we'll yeah. have to rent that one probably. That's fine. Um, mine is a classic, a classic pick. Um, it's a war movie. It's Stanley Kubrick. I don't think we've done a Kubrick yet. Oh, shit. Okay. Full Metal Jacket, boy. Oh, Let's do this. Oh, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, I got... <laughs> uh, it has one of the best opening scenes for a movie <laughs> ever. Uh, dude, I, I, uh, I can't think of the guy's name. We'll talk more about it. I won't, I won't say too much. Right, but, yeah. But, man, the fucking... The improv from uh, the guy that plays the, uh, the drill, drill sergeant. The drill sergeant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his name... Uh, first name is Ernie. Dude, his improv is fucking insane. I know. They like just the let old, him go, well, bro. Well, it's, it's the only person, I think, that Kubrick... Because Kubrick is not an improv guy. Like, he, like I mean, he... Um, Everything is... It's planned. Wants it as written. Yeah. But, but I mean, there are there are spontaneous things that he's kept in his movies. Um, But, for the most part, it's very meticulous, very planned. But with Ernie, because Ernie was an uh, actual fucking drill sergeant for so long, it just made sense to just came let him so go. natural yeah. to him. Because yeah. Ernie basically went to Kubrick and told him his dialogue was shit. Like, <laughs> but that's that's I'm not gonna say anymore. All right. Well, the camera just yeah. went out. Um, that was a good time to end. Then there you have it, folks. <laughs> thanks for thanks for tuning in. Uh, tuning in. Trying to start pumping them out more frequently this uh, coming weeks. Everything Everywhere All at Once and Full Metal Jacket next time on Kevin and Drew Talk Movies. And we'll see you then. Peace out, guys. Peace. Spanish got bullfighting, the French have cheese, and the Irish have alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.